and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Hello, friends, and given the news of the last couple days, hope you've been able to zone out a wee bit and enjoy the Jays unbelievable opening day win for a couple of hours at least because the last I don't know 12 or so hours have complicated a lot of things I'm Tim McAuliffe welcome to Tim and friends we often look to sports as the distraction and almost as often sports gives us just that the distraction something to take the mind off the rest to lose yourself in a game for a couple minutes maybe even a couple hours how about a weekend Saturday's gonna be really good and trust we will. We'll give you the distraction. We'll get to the second of the two-game miniseries between the Leafs and the Jets and yet another Battle of Alberta. We'll get to our homegirl, Bianca Andreescu, and another unbelievable performance at the Miami Open that highlighted just why Canadians fell so head over heels for the 20-year-old phenom. We will also reminisce about the good old days. That's right. Back in the day, when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. As the Raptors and Warriors are set to do battle, it's a rematch of the 2019 NBA Finals with the Raptors in 11th and Golden State in 10th. That comes your way, Sportsnet 1 East and Ontario, starting in about an hour and a half. I promise all that. But the stark reality of the current world that we live in was hammered home once again. Not only was the Mets and Nats series postponed in Washington because of COVID issues, but the Vancouver Canucks received more bad news today as the number of players and coaches contracting COVID-19 climbed to nine with worries that the number may continue to grow. As Ian McIntyre wrote last night, this goes beyond rescheduling or the Canucks playoff chances. These are human beings and they deserve some humanity. For perspective, you don't have to look past Travis Hamanick, who opted out of the bubble last season because his daughter spent a week in hospital in 2019 with a serious respiratory illness. She was just eight months old. Now, her father has COVID. As if that weren't enough, before the news and the virus spread, some fans were mad about hockey. In fact, Michaela Gaudet, Adam Gaudet's wife, went to Twitter to address the abuse her husband was taking on social media, tweeting, and I quote, a human being gets sick with a virus we don't know much about, and y'all are angry at him because you can't watch a hockey game. Well, I know I've said this many times on the show, Twitter can be a cesspool, and that we shouldn't be governed by the dumb, or we shouldn't overreact to those who are dragging us all down, but sometimes it's still... Very shocking how many absolute morons need to be told. I would love them, I'd love to give them a speech about never losing track of humanity, no matter how tired, confused, or frustrated we've all become, because I know that we've all become tired, confused, and frustrated by all this. We can't lose track of what's really important. Just be a good human. But sometimes, sometimes, I don't think that works. Sometimes, you just need to go Bruce Drennan on their donkey. 
Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. I'm you're not gonna, an idiot. No, you are an idiot. Listen, no, you're going to tell me you are judging. You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. You're going to tell me you're going to make a judgment on the season after one game in 30-degree weather. That proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show. All right, please don't be proving what an ignoramus you are. Uh, according to the last reports, eight Canucks players, one staff member, have tested positive. We don't know. Uh, we know that they won't play until at least April 8th. There's speculation that could be extended by another week. Uh, lots to sort out when Ian McIntyre joins us in just a few minutes. All right. I promised we would be the distraction, and we will. The Raptors-Warriors pregame show, just an over an hour away, a great reminder of just how fine the line is in sports. Less than two years ago, the two best teams in the league, now they're 10th and 11th in their respective conferences, just fighting for a playoff spot. So if your team is currently experiencing good times, make sure you savor it because you never know how long it's going to last. Like Leaf fans, oh, it's a virus in the land, blah, first place team. Win tonight could have them five points clear as they face Winnipeg. Of course, depending on what goes on in the Battle of Alberta, which is all over the Sportsnet family of channels as well. We will get you set for both. Sean Reynolds in the peg, Gene Principe in northern Alberta. That's all coming up. But first things first. First things first. first. Bianca is back. It's the Late Late Show featuring Bianca Andreescu once again. An amazing, amazing win. And Bianca Andreescu is into the final in Miami. In just her third tournament since more than a year off due to injuries, and you know this whole global pandemic thing, Bianca Andreescu is reminding us of all why she captured the entire nation's attention with her remarkable run in 2019 and proving it wasn't a flash in the pan. She's just reminding everybody this week of why there is so much excitement about her potential. It's hard not to get carried away when you watch her. Last night, Bianca advanced to the final in Miami with a tough three-set win over Greece's Maria Sakari in what was classic Bianca, if I can say that about a 20-year-old. She fought off two set points before winning the first in a tiebreaker, and as if that weren't enough, she came back from down a break, not once, but twice in the third set, added a rain delay, and her fourth straight three-set match ended at 1.35 a.m. Eastern with Andrescu emerging victorious. For me, the best thing about Bianca is that she's tougher than nails. She thrives when her back is up against the wall. She's won six straight three-setters. She's at her best when the stakes are the highest, beating Serena Williams for her first Grand Slam in front of a hostile crowd in New York. Come to think of it, she is the personification of 
of the line I use to describe her favorite team, the Toronto Raptors. Winning is always possible if you never stop fighting. Winning is always possible if you never stop fighting. Bianca Andreescu, winning is always possible if you never stop fighting. Maybe that's why she loved the Raptors' run so much. Maybe that's why we loved her run so much. It's a trait Canadians pride themselves on, heart and soul. And for Bianca, that toughness, that desire, that heart and soul have been there from the very start. It becomes a little bit here, mind over body. Like my feet are burning. Yeah. Let me change my socks and change my socks. Like, I can barely move out there. Yeah, you know how strong you are. You know how strong you are mentally and physically. And now you, it's, it's true. You need to push. You're right. You're going to need to push through it. You're, you're, you're going to need to stay strong under adversity. But that's okay. That's what, you're, that's what you want. You welcome competition. I want this so bad. 2019. Indian Wells, she wants us so bad. It's even better now. And she's showing us yet another kind of resiliency. Coming back from playing almost no competitive tennis for the past 18 months to reach the final at a WTA 1000 series event. Something no Canadian other than her has ever done. Saturday, she'll face another challenge when she gets world number one, Ash Barty, in the final. The first meeting between the two, which feels kind of like it just could turn into the kind of rivalry that fuels tennis for years to come. But think of this. If she wins tomorrow, Bianca will have won three of her last five WTA 1000 series events, with her only true loss coming to... Naomi Osaka in the quarterfinals in Beijing in 2019 and a withdrawal due to injury back in Miami 2019. These days I have a renewed appreciation for all of the little things that bring me joy in life. And watching Bianca Andreescu play tennis is definitely on that list. Every one of her matches this week has been edge-of-your-seat drama. And it's even better when we got to see Mom, Dad, and Coco back in the stands cheering her on. Two years ago, they were right here in this very studio, right after Bianca's win at the U.S. Open. And because I know that Bianca knows that winning is always possible if you never stop fighting, I got a feeling she'll be back. They'll be back with a couple more reasons to celebrate this summer and the year after that. And the year after that, and the year after, I think you get the picture. First things first. All right, let's bring in our uh, digital producer, Jesse Rubinoff. And I know I called Twitter a cesspool uh, <laughs> earlier, but that's just the vocal minority. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to go too far. Uh, I hope there was so much going on today. There is a few things to talk about. On Twitter today? There are, yeah. Why don't we start with Bianca? Because it's pretty much all positive when it comes to Bianca. She's making another run, this time to the final of the Miami Open. So uh, we just posted saying that she's advancing to the final, and we got a lot of responses back saying, uh, Ron saying, most stressful event to watch, but love her absolute resolve to win, hashtag our champion. Hold on a second. We we posted this at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Because that's when her match ended. (laughs) People were responding. Yeah, at 2 in the morning. At 2 a.m. That's right. 
Eastern time. You can see the if time anyone code. was from the East Coast, it's 3 a.m. Yeah, so Eastern can... time and midnight at, at the earliest. Let's hope it doesn't go that late in the final. 11 p.m. 2:07 a.m. But Ron's happy to see it. Ron stayed up and watched. I'm assuming. Chris says too many of these three setters will not be great on her body. So much effort needed. But what a fighter! Definitely Canada's best tennis player, male or female. I love that you could argue that now. Well, she, she were years won the Grand you, Slam. No, but there were years where you couldn't even, if anyone was anywhere close to Bianca, it wouldn't even be an argument. It's not an argument because she did win a Grand mm-hmm. Slam, but there are players that are close. Like, it feels like there are a couple men who are close to like giving Dennis, her a run. Felix. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And they're about. all so young, too. It's just, a, it's beautiful to think of the runway that these Canadian tennis players have. There's right. so much potential there. Right. Um, and it starts with Bianca right now. Marty says... Simply, that match was incredible, and you alluded to this, Tim. Bianca has a tendency now to play a lot of three-set matches. You said she's won six straight three-set matches. Yeah. And when they're all thrillers, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get incredible, entertaining matches. And the fact that her and Ash Barty haven't played together, Ash Barty said they haven't even hit together at any point on tour. So I think get your popcorn ready. It's going to be a good one between those two. By the way, uh, Layla Fernandez, too, who just won a tournament. Layla Fernandez as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the tennis story. Now, why don't we shift gears over to a hockey story that's... Wherever you want to go, my friend. ...making the rounds. Brandon Dubinsky, Sidney Crosby, <laughs> their names being tossed about a little right. bit this morning on Twitter. Brandon Dubinsky caused a bit of a stir. He chirped Sidney Crosby on the Garage Beers podcast. Why don't we have a listen to exactly what he had to say? Okay. You know, everyone who wants to talk about Sid and Ovi or whatever, dude, f*** Ovi, or Sid, like, I'll take Ovi every day of the week. Like, I got an Ovi yeah. stick. I mean, I got an Son Ovi stick. A- Listen, I asked, I asked Ovi for, for an autograph stick. I got, you know, I got it from him, thanked him for it. I would never ask Sid for a stick, ever. Damn. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, so Brandon Dubinsky went there. Okay. Um, now, we need to flesh out the story a little bit because that obviously caused quite a reaction, but then Dubinsky yeah, you responded can't, you to You can't himself. go after Sidney Crosby exactly. and have that go around in Canada. Exactly. So why don't we show his tweet that he, I don't know, you can make the determination for yourself on whether he backtracked or doubled down, but Dubinsky said, listen, Crosby is better than me. I never said he wasn't. He's obviously one of the best ever. It was Ovi versus Sid. None of you played in the NHL, and now how hard it is to score goals in the NHL. 724 is insane. I don't think anybody's disputing that. Uh, Sid just whined way too much, and Ovi just shut up and played hard. So you can imagine what exactly is happening on uh, Twitter with this because people are having a little bit of fun. Let let me hear, and then I'll give you my opinion on this. I want to hear what what people are saying. Yeah, so Brian says, imagine someone being so good and dominating you so much that it just gets under your skin and you can't appreciate (laughs) slash respect their greatness. When you say just said, I, I mean, maybe this was before Dubinsky sent out his tweet. He checked the time codes. Yeah. But he did say, like, but, he's great. Yeah, he said he's great. And, and obviously, Dubinsky and Crosby do have a, a long history. A little, a little bit of a, a little rivalry. A little bit of a rivalry. And Dubinsky was suspended, of course, for that cross check to the back of Crosby's neck. So they have a history. And, and you're just not going to like every single hockey player that you play against. And this is a debate. Here's the thing. Like, we, we can appreciate all of them, but we're not Brandon Dubinsky playing against these guys. As fans, we can appreciate them, but he clearly has a dislike for Sidney Crosby, and he's just voicing that on a podcast. 
It's just the way it is. Do you have any more comments before I weigh in I on do. this? I do. I'll have two quick ones, and then yeah. I'll let you weigh in. So Alex Doria, remember, Tim Friends team, says, it doesn't matter which guy you like more. This is good for hockey. Players chirping other players, regardless of their stature, and bringing more personality to the game. More, please. And Pat says, got to respect the opinion of one of the 450th best hockey players <laughs> in the NHL. <laughs> so Pat went there. Well, he's, he's better than all of us, so I'll tell you that. It's time for your opinion now. Yeah, I'll tell you that. His, his opinion means more than mine. What the hell's wrong with this? He doesn't like the guy that he's playing against. Sidney Crosby plays hard. Yep. And there's one guy that he's pissed off, and people are up in arms because the one guy that he's pissed off expresses his opinion on greatness. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I guess that's what this is for. Yeah. For people to vent and kind of be distracted by nonsense. But just who cares? Probably the way he went about saying it is what riles people up. It's the F, Sid. Oh, right? it's the, wow. It's the, you, know. you mean a professional hockey player used a customer? <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jesse. How will we get my virgin ears? My, I, I understand. <laughs> There's a lot of loyal Sid fa- followers and fans out I there. Understand. That's, it's the golden goal. It's the golden he, kid. Here's the same thing that I've been talking about for a long time, though. These podcasts exist because people talk differently exactly. than they talk on exactly. shows like this. Yep. And lo and behold, someone gets caught in the moment of here's the audience that I'm talking to. And then you change their audience. And all of a sudden, it becomes a way bigger deal than it was yeah. in the moment. And listen, do I agree with Dubinsky? No. But I understand why he said it, and do I really? Do you think Sidney Crosby's really losing sleep over Brandon Dubinsky? Absolutely not. So if the guy himself isn't upset, then why are people upset for him? It's fandom, right? I agree with you, and I agree with Alex. You know, who said it's good for the game? Yeah, and I agree with Alex yeah. too, um, because I think that that kind of thing we shouldn't poo-poo when it adds a little bit of flavor. Like, we see it in the NBA all the time, oh, yeah. and it adds to rivalries. Yep. For for years, for years, people were saying, oh, the NBA players are too chummy-chummy. For the game, they go over, it's daps and head taps, and then all of a sudden, someone started chirping, another guy started chirping, another guy started chirping, and then there became rivalries again, and I actually enjoy the rivalries. So let's not crap all over one because the guy used a bad word. Hopefully, Dubinsky's got a chronic wrist injuries on the LTIR. Hopefully, he gets healthy and we get to see a, one more Dubinsky Crosby on the ice together. Yeah, he doesn't need to cross check him in the back of the head, yeah. but. Yeah. Or someone. <laughs> all right. Or someone dresses for Pittsburgh. Remember, Brian Burke's there now. That's Let's right. see if Brandon Dubinsky can do that now. Yeah. All right. Doubt uh, it. Time for a break. When we come back, we're going to get you the latest on the Canucks COVID outbreak with Ian McIntyre. Also, Stephen Brunt is coming in studio. Dan Schulman joins us as well to talk all things Jays and Major League Baseball. Some significant news about the All-Star game in Major League Baseball. Plus, we tee up Leafs Jets, Battle of Alberta, throw in the best of the week, and I hope we have a show. It's Tim and Friends on a Friday. You're an idiot. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. I'm not an idiot. You are an idiot. It's the Late Late Show featuring Bianca Andreescu once again. Amazing win. I, I did it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Blows past Tom Wilson, now working on Chara. Barzell cuts it. Scores! You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. And he 
got a pitch over the heart of the plate, and he crushed it. First pitch to LeMahieu, a ground ball to third. Biggio coming home the tag, and they got him. And the Blue Jays win on opening day in the Bronx. That proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show. Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet Radio and TV. Uh, Raptors and Warriors coming up a little later tonight, as is the Battle of Alberta, but some significant stories off the field of play today as the Vancouver Canucks find themselves back in the midst of the reality of this global pandemic. Here to help us sort through it all is a man who has covered this team since 1991, Ian McIntyre. And Ian, like a lot of things in 2021, no matter how long you've been in, on the job, there is no blueprint for this one, is there? There is not. There is not. And there are times periodically, and you're right, I have covered the team a, lo a long time, and you make me feel old when you talk about <laughs> 1991. Apologize. You can tell I started when I was about eight, eight years old. <laughs> right, of course. But there, there, are, there are events that occur uh, over the course of your time covering a hockey team that trump what's going on on the ice. And as difficult as this season has been for the Vancouver Canucks, clearly what they are in now uh, with this COVID crisis is is more impactful and more important than anything that has happened on the ice so far. Okay, so let me ask you, what, what's the latest on the situation in Vancouver? Well, as we saw, there's been uh, five more players added to the NHL's COVID protocol list. So that's a total of seven plus a staff member. But from what I hear, uh, based on medical evidence, not about the Canucks, but about uh, the coronavirus, and in particular, some of the strains that are now fairly prevalent, things could get worse for Vancouver. You know, the testing could show more positives tomorrow. We don't know about the next day. But this is obviously a bad situation. You know, for context, uh, you know, Vancouver has become a global hotspot for the Brazilian P1 uh, variant. Now, we don't know what variants uh, Canuck players have. We may never know that. But Vancouver, on Thursday, that there were uh, 480 P1 cases confirmed in the Vancouver Health Region alone. And that's more than any other country in the world. Hmm. other than Brazil, so completely shut down. It's a big problem out here on the West Coast right now. Understood. Um, I know you wrote a very important column last night, and uh, I, the camera's drifting a little bit, so if you want to just grab, make sure that it doesn't drift off too much. I don't want to distract from folks. Thank you. No problem. Um, I thought it was a very important um, column because it reminded people of the humanity of the situation, that we're dealing with real people and not just hockey players. Um, and given Travis Hamanick and his daughter's health history, there has to be more than the, more to this than just people worried about a delay. Like, are the families of the players being tested as well? Do we know how far the, the combing and the contract tracing works in a situation like this? Well, first of all, the contract tracing for the Canucks, and it's this way for every NHL team teams, there's... Uh, essentially two investigations that go on. Every NHL team has its own uh, contact tracing officer who conducts an investigation within the team. 
uh, in the Canucks case because they're in the Vancouver Coastal Health jurisdiction. There's an independent, separate investigation going on. So there's two investigations identifying the the contact tracing. The, the Canucks, their testing program that they have with the lab that they've set up had been for return of results within 24 hours. And sometimes it's a little less, but the, the time frame is 24 hours. And... Uh, the Canucks have tried to expedite that. They've they've gone to a um, single day, same day uh, test result right. for the last couple of days. They're going to, as far as I know, continue that right now. But they're trying to get as much information as they can. You're right, though. It, this is a very human story now. This isn't about the hockey team. And you mentioned Travis Hamanick. He had a daughter who had a, a very serious um, respiratory illness when she was eight months old. And that was a year before the coronavirus struck, uh, which is why Travis Hamanick opted out of the playoffs last summer for the Calgary Flames. And now he has COVID. And now, you know, the concern is to whom do the players bring that that virus? And that's why a lot of uh, Canucks coaching staff members, for example, are now uh, self-quarantining in a hotel near the rink because they don't want to be in contact with their families. Right. That is the biggest fear right now. Who else is affected other than just the players? So some of them have got, do we like, I guess we wouldn't know who and where and why and how, but it makes sense that some would go to a hotel. So the other thing that I read in your story was that Adam Gaudet was pulled from practice on Tuesday when his Monday test for the coronavirus came back positive 24 hours later. I also know that, as you mentioned, uh, the Canucks have started to work on uh, a closer time frame for getting those results back and paying for that service. Um, if the could this change the NHL's mandates on what needs to take place moving forward? Because the Canucks continued to practice after Adam Gaudet was pulled off the ice. Could we get into a situation where the NHL uh, works on how this went through the team and perhaps changes mandates? I think it's something they'll look at, but this is such an extraordinary season and we're now into kind of the stretch run of it. I, I'm not sure that they'll, there'll be time for them to, to offer any sweeping change. I was personally, I was a little bit surprised to, to learn that there are variations in the testing protocols from city to city. The Me Montreal Canadiens, for instance, have had same day testing since the season began. Teams like the Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers, they've been operating for the most part, on a 24-hour cycle. Now, I did ask the NHL about this, and uh, I was told that you know lab capacities and demands vary from city to city. But everything that the Canucks have done, uh, as far as testing and their timelines, everything is within what the NHL has approved and what the NHL feels is sufficient. But obviously, there are questions about timing when a player is out in a practice when he learns of a positive test. And uh, thank goodness uh, the team did go to a daily testing on Wednesday. Otherwise, there could have been players participating in a game against the Calgary Flames where they were COVID positive. So I think it is something that the NHL needs to look at. I'm just not sure this far into the season with so little time left, there's going to be substantive change. I, I think, though, if you look at 
this case and the rest of the NHL just looks at this case. If you have a player test positive and he's in a practice, I think we all now know you should probably just stop that practice. Like, do, do you know if there is any thought put into just stopping the practice when Adam Gaudet was pulled off the ice? No, I, I'm afraid I don't. Uh, the Canucks, uh, so that was the Tuesday practice. So they yeah. have, they then have a Wednesday morning skate. And by the Wednesday morning skate, they've got the Tuesday results back. Right. And it didn't show any further positives other than Adam Gaudet, which they already knew about. And so the last we've heard from anybody from the Canucks, because they haven't made any kind of statement uh, during this time, the last we heard from anybody was uh, Coach Travis Green after the morning skate uh, on Wednesday. Uh, but again, it, it, the timing does raise, raise some questions about how best to do this, how, you know, how much, how much prevention is enough prevention and, right. and could more have happened in this case? I think that's a natural question to ask. Understood. Uh, Ian McIntyre, sportsnet.ca joining us here on Tim and friends. Last one I got for for you on, uh, what is a tough subject, and I understand it, and I understand that you've been combing through trying to research it, but some folks have gone through the timeline from the Canucks trip to Montreal, and there may be no way to know for sure, but is there any worry from what you can hear in the NHL that the transmission could have gone player to player from two teams? Well, the, the transmission can go player uh, to player. Uh, we, we saw that near the start of the season. Uh, with the games between New Jersey and Buffalo, which I've seen described by some as a super spreader event, and and numerous players on both teams uh, were affected, and there was two essentially a two week shutdown for both teams, so it it can happen. With specifically with the contact with Montreal, I, I don't think we're ever going to know that for sure, but with the way the virus has spread this week in Vancouver, uh, it doesn't feel like that's necessarily originated uh, from the contact with Montreal, which was quite a while ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't answer that question medically. I, I'm sure it's something that the teams in the league have looked into, but it feels like things have developed so quickly this week for Vancouver that it probably is unrelated to that time in Montreal. Um, I said this Numerous times over the last year, uh, we realize everyone's safety is the biggest concern, not just the team, but the community, and that is first and foremost. But there is this feeling that um, with this pause, the NHL might be in some danger of finishing uh, the schedule for the year. Have you heard anything along those lines or perhaps even a longer sitting out period for the Canucks? Well, we're waiting to see if the NHL extends uh, the shutdown because right now it seems awfully optimistic to think that the Canucks could resume practicing on uh, Tuesday and play a game next Thursday against the Edmonton Oilers. So we'll we'll wait and see if the NHL amends uh, the timing on this. But absolutely, there's a question about whether the Canucks can get this season in if they are extended, uh, if the shutdown is extended uh, farther as it is. They were looking at having to play 19 games in roughly 34 days and if you know add another week to that or take a week out of that and the math gets uh, almost impossible i did ask uh, bill daly deputy commissioner today in an email whether there's been any consideration yet uh, because you know that the nhl will have um, all kinds of contingency discussions but he said there's been there's been no discussion so far 
about shortening the Canucks season. So we'll see where that goes. But this obviously has ramifications on the ice, certainly has ramifications uh, for the NHL trade deadline. The Canucks were, were thought to be a small S seller. You know, they do have some assets. They kind of have, um, you know, some plan B assets, not necessarily guys who would be at the top of anyone's shopping list, but certainly people who in, in a normal year would have some value as a trade deadline rental to a team going to the playoffs. Now these players aren't going to be playing. Uh, another GM told me today he thinks uh, the players will still have some value, but their value will be diminished. And certainly for if, if any of those players that the Canucks are shopping are going to end up on the COVID protocol list, then that's really going to uh, diminish what value the Canucks might get back in return. Understood. Uh, Ian, really appreciate the information today. Uh, Thanks for taking the time and joining us. Well, nice to be on with you. I wish it was happier circumstances. Without a doubt. Um, We'll talk soon. There is Ian McIntyre in Vancouver as the Canucks are faced now with... um, seven players on the NHL's COVID list and at least a report of one other coach uh, that is suffering through this right now. And obviously there's a reason why at the start of the year, we put the point percentage on the board when we talk about the North division or any other division for that matter in the national hockey league. And it was because of the early um, COVID positives that we saw in the United States thinking if you don't get this entire season in, you may have to go to point percentages. With the Montreal Canadiens having one day added after their COVID break, um, you still have six days between when the NHL originally scheduled their postseason and the end date, which is now May 11th as opposed to May 10th. The way it breaks down now, it may have to go beyond. Either they push the playoffs back or we just start looking at point percentages. But as I've said numerous times, uh, the safety of the players involved is the paramount concern at this time. All right, so that's the story in Vancouver. We thank Ian McIntyre once again. We will lighten the mood immediately. Some smiles after the break. It's the best of the week. And I got a feeling our friend Frank Drebin, I mean Bruce Drennan from Cleveland, will make the cut. The B.O. Dubs are next. Please stick around. It's my livelihood. Tim and Friends continues with the best of the week. And my good friend Jesse Rubinoff, as we attempt to gather the best clips of the week, play them for your enjoyment. You head to at Tim and Friends on Twitter and vote for your fave. We name the best of the week. Got it good and since you understood. If you ever have a nominee, just send them to Jesse at Tim and Friends with the hashtag BOWs. Got it? All right. Nominee number one coming your way. Longtime sportscaster Bruce Drennan is a host on Bally Sports Great Lakes formerly known as Sports Time Ohio. Yesterday, the 70-year-old went viral for his run-in with a caller after Cleveland lost its season opener to the Tigers, 3-2. This has been going on for two years. Right. Uh, I guess you missed a lot of the games that Ray has hit in the clutch last year, huh? 
no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. I'm you're not gonna, an idiot. No, you are an idiot. Listen, no, you're going to tell me you are judging. You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. You're going to tell me you're going to make a judgment on the season after one game in 30-degree weather that proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show. <laughs> Fair weather idiot. All right, we're gonna move on here. <laughs> Are we allowed to nitpick that at all? Yeah, sure, why not? The guy did say right at the start, it's been happening for a couple years. It looked like Dre- our boy Drennan was ready to pop. Like oh, he was he was ready to You go. know what? Get yourself a, a Drennan. If you're a friend Mel Reyes, like yeah. get someone who supports you like like your boy Bruce Drennan. Uh, that is the clubhouse leader. I don't know how you're gonna beat that. Yeah. A uh, little bit of an I told you so from Timmy uh, this week. <laughs> you told us that uh, guaranteed the Sabres would end their losing skid at 18 games with what Homer Simpson once described as a big shoe. Let's That's a listen. big shoe. <laughs> Lock it and load it, kids. Like you were leaving the lot at Lockport Gambino Ford and you were the last one to close that door. What are you doing? My big shoe in of the week. The Buffalo Sabres break the streak tonight. They get a win against the Philadelphia Flyers. And that, my friends, is the shoe in of the week. And you can open the back door and air this place out. The Buffalo Sabres and the winless slide. The screen door is open and the boys tap Linus Olmark after a well earned victory over the Flyers here tonight and take a breath lads normally I bet those I didn't bet that one I just didn't have the time the show is so busy no more Sid I'm exhausted at the end of the day I didn't bet that one that would have been a great money line win I don't think their odds are like jumping because they won one game so you might be able no, to but hit it up just the Sabres felt like again. bad team Philadelphia has yeah. turned into a bad team oh, brutal and they the way they lost the game before, honestly, it felt like I wasn't just doing it because I, I felt like it was going to be funny or something. I honestly thought they were going to win the game, given the situation, we given the way it. they blew the lead, given the way Philadelphia struggled, given the way Carter Hart wasn't going to play. It just felt like they were going to win. We got a couple people on the Tim and Friends team right now that are scorching hot with the picks, so we might have to start relaying that to the public. Yeah, we might have if to start Timmy's doing that. one a big shoe. <laughs> shoe it is. Uh, All right, nominee good. number three, Sharks defenseman Eric Carlson. Two goals and the shootout winner on Monday against the Wild, but he also won it with a clapper from the hash marks and a post game news conference with an apple. Eric, is that the best offensive game you've ever had? Uh, two goals and essentially a hat trick when the game winner and the uh, shootout? Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we let it run there. It's Yeah, you got to let that one You got to let it breathe a, couple a little bit. Che- a couple bites, yeah, let them chew. The snapping of the apple <laughs> after the not even close and then the staring dead. Like, no chuckle no. after the not even close. Just a, a dead eye, not even close. It's a cool moment for Carlson. I know he's not maybe as big of a name in San Jose as he once was in Ottawa, but to see Carlson back looking cool in the spotlight was fun again yeah. for us Canadian, I gotcha. Canadian folks. Uh, last but certainly not least, the Toronto Blue Jays are back, 
And so is Blue Jays Central, featuring a theme song we all know and love. I'm sure you're humming it right now, actually, as we speak. It's hard not to. And when it hits, it, it definitely hits. hits. So that went viral from our account yesterday. Yeah. Is it because it's a scene in a bar and we don't know what that's like anymore? <laughs> or is it because of the song? Because the song is great, but it feels like both combined together give us a little sense of... Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right with that. <laughs> <laughs> the bar definitely plays a, a part. And I actually didn't really think about it because we've seen that so many times now. It's been regurgitated before. But that one was like, the timing was perfect. I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but the timing was perfect. Yeah. The music's perfect. It was opening day. It just had you feeling the excitement. And the Jays were able to pull through. So it all just came together on opening day for the Blue Jays. All right, head to at Tim and Friends on Twitter to vote now. And uh, like I said earlier, if you ever see any of these, put the hashtag B.O. Dubs, and we won't have to nominate our own posts like we did. Yeah. Just right there. <laughs> <laughs> Feels a little cheesy, but I'm going to take it, it was right good, now. Though. It was good. Uh, we have a deal in the National Hockey League. Uh, there was a trade between the Florida Panthers and the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Vinny Henestroza is going back to where he started his career. He gets dealt for forward Brad Morrison. It just looks like um, the Panthers got rid of a million dollars in salary and sent Vinny Henestroza, who had 16 goals one season with Arizona. Yeah. And now has zero in nine games with Florida. And I guess they just decided they would shift him over there. Yeah. Check Brad Morrison's stats. You know, he's not hasn't played in the NHL yet. So you go to his NHL page and it says Brad Morrison's not have any NHL stats. So <laughs> Vinny Hidestroza right. making a million dollars. I don't know. It's I don't even know if it's money. I think they were just probably looking to to move Hinestroza. Maybe they like what they see in Morrison. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I'm not going to act like I'm watching uh, Rockford Ice Hog games yeah. to know enough. I mean, I hope so for Brad Morrison's sake, but it just might be zero goals, zero assists in nine games, yeah. and we're giving him a million dollars to sit there. Might as well give him to a team that could use him, and that's where Chicago comes in there trying to uh, re-energize Vinny Hinestroza. Uh, that's where we are there. Battle of Alberta. Tonight on the Sportsnet family of channels, Jets Leafs also going tonight. Does it feel like this is a big game for the Jets, given the fact that the Leafs are three points up and could get a five point spread? It's like, how do you solve Jack Campbell? I think it's becoming the question. It's like at some point it's got to be playing in the opponent's head. It's like the Leafs seems like they have confidence playing in front of Jack Campbell now. And when you run up seven wins, it's a pretty sparkling record as a goaltender. Uh, we've seen some good battles between these two teams. I don't think it's to the point, really, where the Jets don't think they can beat the Leafs. It's almost like, remember we had that question uh, to Darnell Nurse posed, like, do you guys think you can beat the Leafs? I think all of these teams near the top of the division really believe that they can beat each other. I think every NHL team thinks they yeah. can beat whoever they're playing. Yeah, right. So Even I don't think Buffalo it's to Sabres. that point yet, but... Uh, I do think the Leafs are playing with a ton of confidence right now in front of Jack Campbell. 
And we'll see tonight because the Jets, we talk about their depth all the time. I mean, they're really, really, really good. So anytime these two teams come together, it's fun. It seems like a, a bit of a toss up, but it's excitement. You know, it's exciting two teams to, to watch play. Did you know uh, that if you took all of the NHL keepers that have played in five games or more, who mm-hmm. has the best goals against average and save percentage? Enlighten me. One Jack Campbell. Yeah. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky is second. Now we'll see if he can sustain that as he takes on the Winnipeg Jets tonight. So two games in the North tonight. It is the Leafs and the Jets in the Battle of Alberta. More hockey talk on the way. Gene Principe in Edmonton for the Battle of Alberta. Sean Reynolds in Winnipeg for the Leafs and Jets. Plus, Stephen Brunt in studio for some Jays talk and plenty more. Final hour of the week on Tim and Friends is on its way. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here for hour number two in this Friday edition of Tim and Friends. We are here with you for the full hour on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet West and Pacific, as well as Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fed in Toronto. Eastern Ontario, you leave us at 6.30 Eastern for the pregame of the Warriors and the Raptors right here on Sportsnet. Still to come, Stephen Brunt in studio, Dan Shulman virtually to talk Jays after that great opening day win in the Bronx. They will play again Saturday for game two of the three game set. Plus, we'll crown the best of the week winner a little later on. But the big story of the day is the Vancouver Canucks and a COVID outbreak. Short time ago, we got a confirmation of the list of players that have gone on at least the NHL's COVID list. Joining Adam Gaudet and Travis Hamanick on that list are Alex Edler, Braden Holtby, Quinn Hughes, Zach McEwen, and Antoine Roussel. So we had heard reports of eight players right now, only seven players, but there is plenty of speculation. Over the next couple of days, we may see more players go on that list. As always, we hope everyone around the Canucks is safe, and we will update the story as it progresses right here on the show. Meanwhile, the Flames and Oilers renew hostilities in the Battle of Alberta. In Edmonton tonight, see it at 9 Eastern, 7 local on Sportsnet West and Pacific. Pre-game half an hour early, no regional restrictions, and the game will be joined in progress across the country after the Raptors and Warriors game. With more from Edmonton, let's bring in our friend Gene Principe. Gene, uh, what do we got going on here, Gino? What do you got there? Hey. Hey, Tim, how are you? Are you painting eggs? Well... Uh, first of all, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure to be your friend. And uh, it's Easter weekend, which is a time normally to spend with friends and uh, family. It's Good Friday. Easter Sunday for our uh, Jewish friends. Uh, happy Passover. Started March 27th, ends April 4th. And uh, I've got three kids at home, uh, Tim. So I'm just just kind of sneaking in a little Easter egg work before, uh, you know, before and Sunday. They, and, uh, and then you well, deliver Calgary them Edmonton to the Easter also butter. sneaking in a little bit of work. <laughs> Yeah, they're sneaking in a little bit of work, too. Can you hear me, Tim? I got Can you. you. hear me? I got you. Ah, no boy. Good, good. So <laughs> I know you want to talk about tonight's game, and uh, it's one of those games where nobody wants to leave this building with, um, 
well, with egg on their face. And I don't think that's going to be the case between Calgary and Edmonton. The Oilers are desperate after the way they finished their last road trip, losing to Montreal. And so you know they're going to be primed and ready to go. That's what Dave Tippett said. Uh, as for Calgary with Daryl Sutter, uh, no time to yoke around because they're in a situation right now where they need wins. Doesn't mean they can't get them, but they have to get them. Uh, if you look specifically at Montreal, which is between Edmonton, Edmonton above, and then below them, Montreal, is Calgary. And it's 10-point difference right now in the Battle of Alberta, and both teams have played 37 games. So uh, the, the situation is that Calgary needs to win to get themselves into playoff positioning. The Oilers, Tim, need to win to stay in playoff positioning and hopefully give themselves a chance to push forward to catch Winnipeg and Toronto as those so far have been the big three. All right, let's get cracking here, Gino. Every game's a big game for this uh, Calgary Flame squad. And when... When you realize that your head coach is Daryl Sutter and these all feel like must-wins, I got a feeling that they're going to come out firing today. Oh, I, I have no doubt about it. And I, I, I think that, uh, you know, you, you just mentioned the serious situation regarding the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, the Flames missed their last game because of the COVID protocol situation with Vancouver. We hope everybody there is doing fine or at least getting better. And the Oilers will miss... Their next game, this was supposed to be the start of back-to-backs between Calgary and Edmonton tonight, and then Vancouver was to be in Rogers' place uh, tomorrow night. Uh, the Flames right now find themselves, Montreal's a wild card here because nobody really knows what they're going to do with all those games in hand. Yeah. But they've got 41 points, which is four more than Calgary and four less than Edmonton. And I know you you got to go, uh, you know, move on with the show, but uh, can I show you, uh, one of the Easter eggs that I painted here, and I just finished it. Oh, boy. Our bureau chief uh, in Edmonton, <laughs> oh, no. Corey Blasio, the cameraman. Can you zoom in, Corey? No. Just zoom in. Can you keep zooming in? Tell me when you're close. Give me a wave. You're close. Can you see it? <laughs> Can you see my Easter egg? Uh, hey? There you go, buddy. Gino. Hey. My friend, happy Easter to you and your family and everyone else there watching. Hey, excellent work as always, Gino. <laughs> All right. The other game in the North tonight features the Leafs and the Jets. Jack Campbell. You know, I do have an egghead, let's be honest. Uh, Jack Campbell starts again for the Leafs after a 26-8 performance and a 3-1 win over the Jets Wednesday night. There's news on the Jets' injury front. With more on that, we head to Sean Reynolds, who hopefully doesn't have an egg anywhere near him. Well, I was going to say, Tim, one of the things you learn early in broadcast is you never start a pun war with the great Gene <laughs> Prince Bay. Right. I won't even try. Yeah. I'd probably lay an egg uh. if I tried to do so. Let's just get right into this and start talking injuries. Good news and bad news on that front for the Winnipeg Jets. The really good news is Blake Wheeler, who left the last game uh, with an undisclosed injury. We were worried or weren't sure what we were going to see from him. He showed up. He took the morning skate today. This is a guy who plays and has played through all kinds of pain. So I, if I was a betting man, I would be very certain I would see him in the lineup tonight. On the other side, though, Nathan Beaulieu, one of their depth defensemen, he'd had a broken hand, we learned uh, earlier today, and that had been keeping him out of the lineup. It's not what is going to keep him out of the lineup going forward. He had shoulder surgery on a torn labrum. That's going to keep him out for the rest of the season, including playoffs. So this Jets team, there's been a lot of buzz around them, especially leading up to the trade deadline. The belief is they need help on the back end. I would suggest that this news that we hear today is likely to make them even more in the hunt for a defenseman leading up to the trade deadline. Is Goligoski tops on that list, do you think, Sean? 
Uh, I think so. I, I really wouldn't take anything off the table. Such yeah. an interesting year, though, because of the way, you know, every game is a four-point game. So you get teams like Columbus who looked like they were out of it for a while, and a guy like David Savard's name pops up, and then they win a couple games, and it moves them right back into position. Yeah. And the same thing with Matthias Ekholm out of Nashville, another team that all of a sudden has jumped in and is sitting in contention when we thought they were long out of it. So, I mean, it, it feels like this is going to go down to the wire, but uh, what we've learned from Kevin Day off over the last couple of years is if he feels his team has a need, he's really been aggressive in going out and addressing that need. Yeah, he's never been shy. Thanks, as always, Sean. Appreciate it. Sean Reynolds in Winnipeg. All right, the Raptors and the Warriors hook up in a rematch of the 2019 NBA Finals tonight. Things... We've been different these days. Steph Curry will miss the game for the Warriors. He has a tailbone injury after falling on his bum. Well, the Raptors still without Kyle Lowry. They've lost 13 in the last 14 games and sit two games back of 10th for the play-in tournament. Coverage starts 6.30 Eastern on Sportsnet East, Ontario, and one. Got it good and since you understood some afternoon baseball action and the Orioles might be a terrible story but Trey Mancini is not. Returning to baseball after missing all of the 2020 season with stage 3 colon cancer and gets a nice greeting from Xander Bogarts and at the top of the six, Ryan Mountcastle drives one deep scores two, Orioles have a 2-0 lead. Bottom seven, J.D. Martinez at the dish but John Means one of five K's on the day. Next batter, Bogarts, flies out to end the inning. Means surrendered just one hit over seven shutout innings, retiring the last 18 consecutive Red Sox batters. Orioles win. They will not go 0-162. They get their first win of the season. 3-0 is the final. Now, the entire Nationals and Mets series has been postponed due to COVID issues. They were postponed yesterday on opening day. Now the entire series has been called off. Nationals outbreak is now at four. The Mets will start their season Monday in Philadelphia. Some other Major League Baseball news. The league has decided to move the 2021 All-Star Game and MLB Draft out of Atlanta in response to new voting laws recently passed in Georgia are being criticized as being voter suppression. In a statement, Commissioner Rob Manfred said, quote, Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. The Blue Jays with an off day today, but GM Ross Atkins met with the media providing some updates on the many injuries to his club. Atkins really encouraged with Robbie Ray's bounce back. He is now throwing at 100%. Well, Nate Pearson is on the mound today, and Thomas Hatch is throwing again after his brief shutdown. Atkins says all players are pain and symptom free. And it looks like George Springer might be in a Blue Jays uniform next week. I think he he could have potentially played and uh, probably would have been fine. It's it's a matter of um, you know thinking about the entire season, thinking about where we are in the season, and what it would have meant if he did play. It feels like it's day to day. I mean, you know, I think there's a, a real chance he's ready to go and at that hundred percent strength level as soon as he's eligible, which would be our first game back home in Dunedin, but can't guarantee that and want to make sure that that continues to progress very well. 
As I welcome our next guest, I realize he needs no introduction, but that's not my style. He is among the most trusted voices in all of sports. His ability to articulate his thoughts in a clear and concise manner not only makes me feel useless, but also makes me feel like this intro is too long and that I should have kept it at. He is among the most trusted voices in sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Stephen Brunt, everybody. Hey, how are you? Good. Happy holiday weekend. Cetera, Happy holiday weekend yeah, to you. Yeah. Are you going to come painting eggs like Gene Principe? Uh, that was uh, that was very <laughs> impressive. Uh, I, I, would, I would expect nothing less from Principe. You that know, was awesome. I'm, I'm no rocket surgeon here, Stephen, <laughs> but I believe he may have prepared the egg before the hit. I don't know. He seemed, he seemed a deft hand with that little teeny tiny brush. Yeah, right? yeah. Very, very smooth. Yeah. It'll look like marker on the egg, but I digress. Uh, let's start with the Jays because... That seemed like the opener hit on all notes. And then I just give the update on all the arms and George Springer. And again, seeming like good news for Jason. Yeah. Do you want to bundle all your good news into the first game of 162? <laughs> or would you rather backhand a little bit yeah, of it? I don't know. probably it's, would mind. Yeah, I, look, I... Um, I, I have uh, I, I I couldn't remember every Blue Jays opener, but I've saw them all. I've seen them all. I covered a whole bunch of them, so I, I I'm experienced with what opening day feels like. Right. I, I'm not sure I've seen one kind of go according to script as well as that one did. Well, the you know the Doug Alt one, the first one for right. sure. But you know it was it was kind of perfect, right? It was you know, Yankee Stadium and uh, Garrett Cole and a little bit of peril and some you know some tension. Uh, wasn't in the bag till the very end. Bunch of heroes. Julian Merriweather, Merriweather for the close, right? Like uh, Vladdy looking really good. Teoscar uh, Hernandez hitting one to the moon. Like it, it really, you, you couldn't have scripted it better if you were going to try and uh, pump up the hopes of Blue Jays fans heading into this return to 162 games of baseball. Um, and then to have an off day to just kind of savor it. I think everybody's just kind of wallowing today, right? And the, today, and the right? timing of it, especially in Ontario. Yeah, it's pretty like, good, right? We just talked to Sean Reynolds off air about what they're able to do in Manitoba and what we're able to do in Ontario and Toronto was just about to change. And I think a lot of people were kind of looking for the distraction and the timing on that yesterday just seemed impeccable. Yeah, it couldn't have been better. It, it couldn't have been better. So it's, I, you know, it's... It's early. It's uh, <laughs> it's early. You know, there's a reason they play 162, but it it did have, and and I, the other thing I would say, it, the notion that opening day is a premonition, kind of of what's going to happen, that is a preview. Usually, it isn't. Right. I, like I've been through a lot of those because I've written a lot of really cheesy columns about that, saying, "Oh, the all the the the, the arrows are all pointing in the right way," or "Oh, this doesn't feel so good." Yeah. Normally, that doesn't it doesn't tell you anything except what it is one of one of many many games, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and and I think this team, and maybe I'm stretching here, but I, I don't often do it, but maybe this team is the one where I firmly believe momentum is your next starter. Mm -hmm. However, with a team this young, with this ex kind of expectations surrounding it, going into Yankee Stadium, feeling that little bit of adversity, you, you could see how this might be a confidence boost to a young group that feels like they're on the verge of something. Yeah, well, they're not. It's it's number one. It's not a group that lacks confidence. No, it's right? not. like that's <laughs> not their problem. Like yeah. that's not an issue with these guys, and they are coming off the one the guys who were here last year or there last year. You're not here. Mm -hmm. um, that they, they're coming off a 60 game season where they made the playoffs. Right. That it didn't. You know, it didn't end uh, well against Tampa, but they made the postseason. They they were a winning team last year. Mm -hmm. So they're these guys are all. Yeah, they were very confident to start with. And I, I think all of that, you know, I, I 
with a grain of salt, I take all of the, the you know, well, we all believe we're going to do this and we're not afraid of anything. And Again, you, you hear a lot of stuff if you hang around sports long enough, right? It's <laughs> yeah. generally the best team wins. It's funny. Right. Uh, but I, th I think that confidence is based on, among other things, looking around and seeing the talent. Right, it's 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 hard not to look at, especially in the in the among the position players, yeah. like that. I think everybody watching, if you hadn't, you know, we're kind of distant from spring training this year, and you know, we haven't really, no one's been down there watching it day to day. But you realize how, you know, the length of that lineup that there's yeah. no deep breaths for an opposing pitcher, in even that without lineup. George Springer, even without George Springer, yeah, and uh, and without Alejandro Kirk, you know, who will will turn up there at some point, but. Um, yeah, I, th I think that I, I think you kind of realized what this team was a little bit yesterday. I th right. You know, um, and I think maybe you know if we'd been down in spring, a bunch of people covering the team like we would normally, we'd have said, you know, Vladdy looks like he can actually play first base this year. He looks yeah. really more comfortable. Yeah. And it's it's one thing for Ross Atkins to say it on a Zoom call, but if you saw it yesterday, you realize yeah he does look more comfortable yeah. and he does look more athletic. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I think the confidence is the foundation of that confidence is talent. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. All right, plenty of Jays talk on the way. Fresh off of calling the Jays and the Yankees and the Astros and the A's yesterday, Dan Schulman joined Stephen and I to talk about it as the Jays uh, look ahead to two more weekend games in the Bronx. Tim and Friends continues right here on Sportsnet. Keep saying that I'm going to get by with a little help from my friends. Stephen Brunt already in studio. I'm starting to feel spoiled because we add another Canadian legend to the list as if he didn't do enough yesterday when he called both the Jays and Yankees on Sportsnet and the A's and Astros on ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Dan Schulman joining us here. <laughs> double header. Man. You get to only seven innings though, right, this year, Dan, for double header. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> for, for you don't have to call the last two? I, uh, yeah, no, ye yesterday was a 10 and a 9, but I don't want to make it sound like I scaled two mountains on the same day. I mean, you know, I was wearing sweatpants for the second game in my own home doing it right here, so I don't want people to think I'm complaining about doing two games in one day. I was going to ask you if you're tired, but I really wanted to know how much did you make? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kind of. I'll answer the, the tired question. How's that? I slept until almost like 9 o'clock today, which for me is like sleep until noon. So, yes, I was tired, but what, it was fun. What time did Astros A's end at? Around? Uh, around 1.40. Ooh. I think something like that, around 140. So it was, it was truly a day-night doubleheader. But they, you know, they had to put me on the 10 o'clock because... What if there was a little rain in New York? They didn't want me on the four o'clock, seven o'clock, obviously. So yeah, we we had to spread it out a little bit. But it was it, it it was fun. It was cool. I wouldn't want to do it every day. I've done things like that before, but you know you don't want to do that eight days a week or anything like that. Stephen and I were talking about the Jays and almost how perfect Game One was out of the gate. You know, it's funny. I, I thought about it on the way home yesterday, driving home, and I thought that's a game where last year or the year before, the year before, the year before, they lose that game nine times out of ten, maybe 99 times out of 100 because, firstly, they're the Yankees. Secondly, it's in the Bronx, and they had chances to win it. I mean, the Yankees had a couple of chances to win it, and uh, and the Blue Jays found a way to win it. And, and I thought the most exciting thing coming out of yesterday was the bullpen, and they walked a few too many guys 
But like Julian Merriweather, you know, wow, if they can keep him healthy. And just having more depth with Chatwood and Phelps to go in front of Dolis and Romano. And we didn't even see the lefties, right? And, and we'll see them at some point. So um, I thought it was exciting. You know, Jonathan Davis, although he just came in as the as the runner and then scored, you know, good for him for being a part of it. Good for Randall Gritchick for getting the game-winning hit. And then we're looking at Merriweather here, you know, a pitch away from an immaculate inning and then, you know, throwing 99 to end the game. It, it was really cool. And it's just one game out of 162. But, you know, they get to walk out of there saying, hey, Garrett Cole started for the other side and our guys won the game. And that's a, that's a pretty exciting thing for a, a team with as many young players as the Blue Jays have. You know, Dan, I wished I'd been sitting next to Ross Atkins for that Merriweather inning because he's been talking about <laughs> Julian Merriweather, yeah. uh, you know, a guy who, you know, we saw a little bit of him. We have seen a tiny little bit about him. But ever since the, the, the Donaldson trade, uh, Ross Atkins has been saying, you've got to see this guy. He might have the best arm in the organization. Just wait, just wait, just wait. And I think that was the moment the penny dropped. You know, now again, keeping him healthy, a whole other conversation. But that that looked like the best arm in the organization. If they got a better one, I'd like to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a guy with four legitimate pitches. He threw three of them yesterday. But I, I don't know that I've ever seen. And it's funny that uh, during a spring game a few days ago, I tweeted out like he throw he th he just threw a fastball at 98, and the next pitch was a changeup at 79. 19 miles an hour difference. And then we saw him do the same thing to Aaron Hicks in the game yesterday. Uh, and his stuff is electric. It, it, it really is. And whether he's a starter, whether he's a multi-inning relief guy, whether he's a leverage guy at the end of the bullpen, I don't know. But if they can keep him healthy, he's going to help. And they need all the healthy arms that they can find right now because they still don't have Ray, although he should be back soon. They still don't have Pearson. They still don't have Hatch, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, if those guys can get healthy, um, and the guys they have can pitch to their potential, and those are two enormous ifs. I get it. You know, if they make the playoffs this year, it's it's going to be because their pitching was good enough. The offense is going to be good. It's it, their pitching has to be good enough to let the offense do its thing, and that goes in conjunction with the defense too. And I thought there was a lot of good. De and again, it's just one game, but this was a bad defensive team a year ago, and they made some good defensive plays in yesterday's game. You know, I'm not like you guys where I get to go down to spring training and see what happens every year and you get the talk from all the coaches who kind of plant some seeds in your ear so that you know who's going to be good out of the shoot. The thing that I kept hearing this year was about, okay, Vladdy's lost the weight. Look at what Vladdy's doing. Oh my goodness. Vladdy's hitting the ball really hard. Like we've seen before, but when it came to like, okay, how do we actually see the manifestation of losing the 40 to 50 pounds? I wasn't really sure about what it would look like in a real game play. But we kind of saw, like, he looked nimble. He looked comfortable at first base. Like, it seemed almost like a different Vladdy, at least in the field. Yeah, and I think comfortable is a great word for it. And, again, first base is one of these positions where, uh, you know, if you never played, you don't play, you go, well, just, you know, stick that guy over at first base. But it's a much more complicated position than that, not necessarily physically. A lot of it is just decision-making. And he got thrown over there last year because he had gained weight and they weren't comfortable with him at third. And it was a big struggle for him, as to no one's surprise. But I think he's more comfortable with the position. Every play he made yesterday, to me, looked like he made quickly and decisively. And that's great. And just as important, I loved his at-bats. You know, first pitch screamer up the middle his first time up. Yeah. But I might go back and watch the two walks that he drew off Garrett Cole after that because he fouled off some tough pitches he took some close pitches he controlled the at bat and that's who Vladdy was coming up uh, that great year at double a it wasn't about home runs it was about taking your walks 
not a lot of swing and miss, making the pitcher come to you, and then hitting the ball really, really hard somewhere. And that, to me, is if Vladdy reaches his ceiling, that's the kind of guy I think he'll be at the major leagues. I don't think he's going to hit 40, 45 home runs in the major leagues, but I think he could hit for a high average, hit a lot of doubles, have a really good walk-to-strikeout ratio, and be one heck of an offensive player. And I thought he controlled the at-bats against Garrett Cole. And, and how many people can say that? Dan, Ross Atkins spoke today on the off day and talked about you know, the injured, all the injured players, and mostly overall good news, really, or at least all. He was very optimistic about everybody. But when he was talking about Nate Pearson, he you know, was insistent that Nate Pearson's coming back as a starter, um, which you know, would be tremendous if you could just drop him into that rotation and count on him for, to take his turn every five days, six days for the rest of the season. But do you see, how, how do they do that, Dan? Is, it, is that possible to bring him back, stretch him out, and use him the way you would a conventional rotation piece, given his you know injury history and just given his the lack of innings, lack of innings he's pitched as a professional. Yeah, I think it's possible. Let's say he's ready to start throwing at the alt site in two or three weeks, and I, I don't know that, but let's say he's ready in a couple of weeks, and now he's doing some you know simulated games, intra squad games, whatever you want to call them. And let's say the AAA season starts May the fourth, which isn't that far away. It's a month away. You know, maybe you do some of the innings build up, Stephen, at the alt site and then at AAA. So maybe he doesn't come to the majors right away. Maybe they build him up a little bit in the minors. So by the time he comes to the majors, he's ready to throw 80, 85, 90 pitches. But it all depends on his health. And that's the great unknown uh, about him right now. You know, it, it sounds like Robbie Ray is going to be back very soon. Maybe if not the next turn, hopefully then the turn after that, I would imagine that he goes into Zoik's spot, but I don't know that, you know, it could be Stripling's as well. Ross Stripling did a zoom yesterday. He said he'd like to stay in the rotation if he can, he understands his versatility is a, is a strength of his, but he'd like to stay there. Uh, but I think they're going to be uber careful with Nate Pearson and you build him up uh, away from the cameras and the bright lights and and, uh, and and everything else, and you hope to get him up to a reasonable pitch count before you bring him back. And and maybe when he comes back, he's a four or five inning guy piggybacking with somebody. But it's really a, you can't advance to the next step until you know that he physically can get through the first step, and that's the great unknown right now. This is a uh, you probably don't know if you're locked in the studio because I've been there before. <laughs> but is there any worry about? Nate Pearson and his injury history are there are there murmurs about like we got to be really careful here not that I've heard but I'll be honest with you that's not a I, I'm not texting people within the organization right. and, and asking that question you know, we do have to remember his most serious injury was a broken arm from a line drive right so that that right. happens right. unfortunately uh, the other two since have been an elbow thing and a groin thing so um, I don't think they're there yet. I haven't heard if they're there yet. And there's so much value in a starting pitcher, I believe, uh, um, that I think they're going to give it a go. Uh, you know, he's a he's 6'6", 245 or whatever he is. He's a big kid who throws 100, and you want to give him every chance you can to be a starter. If it doesn't work out, and, you, and then, you know, you go to plan B. But I haven't heard that they're concerned about it. But it, it does seem like the time frame is very is conservative here given what we were told about you know the relative severity of the injury at the time it happened but 
Um, I, I think part of that may be guys that you're not going to let them go out and throw 180 innings this year anyways, because right. he hardly threw last year. Right. So if you have to go slowly and make sure he's healthy and that can kind of artificially keep the innings and the pitches down to keep his arms safe, then, you know, you get the benefit that way as well. Uh, contracts save value in starting pitching too. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny, thank you very much for doing this. Appreciate it as always. All right, guys. Good seeing you. Good to see you. Uh, Stephen Brunt is going to stick around. When we come back, uh, we will talk a little bit more Jays baseball. We might branch out into an announcement made by Major League Baseball today. Meantime, Raptors pregame show on Sportsnet East and Ontario. But we continue on 360 with Brunt. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Stephen Brunt still in studio. Jesse Rubinoff waiting for last call here on Tim and Friends. And uh, during the commercial break, Stephen and I were talking about the real thing that is going down to spring training and kind of picking up the nuggets that you can pick up when you're down there. And and I I was saying to you that I kind of lament the fact it's been good for me in my career that I've been able to have a studio show for a long time and I count my blessings all the time. But not being able to do those things like going out on the road, you don't get the same kind of nuggets that you normally would. No, it's 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 true. Like look, spring training on, on many levels is kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah. Because it you know it, it is uh you know it's it's best shape of our lives, yeah. guys walking a lot, around. A lot of stretching, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, guys and, and veteran players taking off after the fourth inning and getting in their cars and leaving the park, right? And, right. and there's a lot of that. And you know, for reporters, like it was just like you would imagine, like you go down there and dodge winter and spend some time in Florida and right. and nothing moves too fast and there's you know one story a day and it's pretty but what isn't there a cigar room there is there's Dunedin? there are a couple yeah I've yeah. heard, yeah, I've heard yeah. those stories yeah yeah there's lots of you know, it's very social but <laughs> but part of what it is is you know hanging around a park yeah. baseball is a you know is is a leisurely sport that way right there's a lot of batting practice and infield practice and coaches hanging around and managers hanging around and we do have you know we're blessed with all this access that we can actually talk to people right. um, it's not just up at a podium so uh, yeah, hanging around a ballpark in spring training, talking to baseball people about baseball, you learn stuff and you do see stuff, you know. And sometimes it's, you know, that somebody looks better or is playing better. And sometimes it's like when Blair and I were doing this show live one day at spring training, doing a radio show, and Ken Giles tore ten strips off of David Polino for uh, dogging it in a in a bunt drill. Yeah, the guy who's never you know never been seen since in Toronto, right? So it, it Polino, not Giles, but so you, you see a little slices of reality sometimes, you know. Right. Uh, Josh Donaldson getting into into it with Gibby about his boombox out on the field. <laughs> I remember uh, that, one. Yeah. that was a good so one. So yeah. you so you get a sense of guys' personalities too, how they how they interact, what they're like, and you know even that we get to wander around the clubhouse we kind of freely so that's all gone this year right right? that none of that's happened so there's a lot of zoom calls and everybody in the world knows you know how intimate zoom calls aren't you know we're all dealing with that stuff so uh, yeah i think a lot of the nuance about you know the this team i i think all the people who covered and they look they People cover the team have lots of sources and they know what they're watching and they know these players really well and they know where they've come from but those little kind of conversations, not and off the record's the wrong word for it because it's it's more, it's not like a scoop. It's, it's a just casual conversation yeah. between two human beings. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't take place, and we're not saying this to lament the fact that people aren't down there this year. We oh, understand look, what it is. Look, like, okay, well, but you yeah, put the big asterisk beside. Yeah. The, the world's screwed up on a million different levels. People right. are suffering through real things right now. Yes. This is about the nuance of a team that you couldn't really get a feel for until you saw them play. Garrett Cole, New York Yankees, Yankee Stadium, game one. Yeah, That's what I, I'm trying I, I think a lot of the people, the people who cover the team watching that game for, for us, 
it was just the same as it was for the fans. Right. You know, it, it really was more than it would normally be where you normally have been spending weeks. You know, some guys you would you know, spend a month, six weeks at spring right. training with them. You're really familiar with what's about to happen. Right. This year, it's, yeah, it's all a surprise. And an example can be as simple as Ross Atkins going, you got to watch Julian Mayweather. So he's throwing a bullpen. You walk over, you see the pop of the glove, or you hear the pop of a glove, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, or, or a chat with you know, Pete Walker about you know a pitcher, or Dante Bichette talking about what they did in the off season, or you know, right. little conversations, um, you know, or Charlie. Uh, like you, you do find stuff out. Um, and again, it's not like breaking news, stop no. the presses, but it's you you build an information bank about people over right. the, over the course of time, and that's what that's what spring training is all about from from in our business. And you can give it to the audience so that they know for, they can get a feel for what they're about yeah, to see. Exactly. Um, before we get into this Major League Baseball announcement a little bit, the Charlie Montoyo 100th career win, like the idea of the smiling Charlie who ran out for opening day in his first season and the positivity that he's brought to this team throughout last year, keeping them together in all types of ish, and it's going to be the same this year. There seems to be a new respect for what Charlie actually brings as opposed to just the smiling, happy guy who... You know, plays the bongos in the in the clubhouse. I hope so. You know, like you know, I spent a fair bit of time around Charlie and his yeah. family, working on the dock that we did with him, and I saw him back in his original hometown in, in Puerto Rico and and in Arizona with his with his family there. Um, I like. I hope people can get past that. Like Charlie's a completely pleasant guy, and if he was sitting here, he would be that smiling, positive guy because that's right. what he is. That's, what he that's is, his yeah. nature. Um, but he's. He, you know, Charlie runs deep, right? There's, there's a lot there. He's, and if you understand his baseball career and what it took to get him this opportunity, you know, how much he earned this opportunity. Like, I'll tell you, you know, the best, the, the best test of that, Tim, mm-hmm. talk to somebody in baseball about Charlie Montoya. Right. And see how happy they are for him getting this opportunity, <laughs> yeah. right? It is, it's, it's, especially the guys in that Rays organization. It, it is, because they get it, right? right. They know the, what he put in to get this job. You know, it's funny, I, I've, been th- I've done a lot of uh, self-reflection, as many of us have over the last year. We've had time. And one of the things that I, I've always kind of believed in this karma or this spirit, and karma and spirit are not necessarily things like, oh, you'll get paid a lot of money or you'll get paid back or that guy who you think is a jerk ends up getting shoved in the gutter. I always believed that karma was the olive branch when you're knocked down or the smile when someone talks about you. Mm-hmm. Like when you bring up, you know, Charlie Montoyo's name to somebody and you see them smile immediately, you know that that's a good guy. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I yeah. think that's right. And, and again, that's not saying, I don't know if Charlie Montoyo is the manager to take him to a World Series. I honestly don't know. But he feels and, like the right manager at the right time. I think he, was the, he is the right manager at the right time. I think getting through that season last year, all the stuff you alluded to, you needed somebody. And you needed kind of a, that, that you know, positivity can be an asset in certain circumstances, right? Like, right. And I, I know, again, it's not like Charlie's a pushover. He, you know, there's the, yeah. he's steely and, and, and he can be if he has to. But uh, yeah, I think he was the right guy for the moment. And I hope he's the guy to take him to a World Series because it would be about what we were just talking about. That right. good thing happened to a good person. Right. 
Uh, Stephen Brunt is in studio here on Tim and Friends, and I want to lean on your experience here. I won't call you old. Mm. I just want to lean on your experience here. Thank because, you. Because uh, Major League Baseball made a statement, uh, an announcement, that they will move the 2021 All-Star Game out of Atlanta in response to Georgia's new voting restrictions. Uh, the quote from Major League Baseball goes as follows. Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. Have you seen a story like this in your time in and around sports where uh, a, a league makes a statement as clear as this on an issue in their own country among their own constituency? Well, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like the, the NFL pulled the Super Bowl out of Arizona because they when they refused to... Uh, uh, to uh, acknowledge uh, Martin Luther King Day, for right. instance, right? They lost the Super Bowl because of that. So that's similar. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't seen baseball do this. And I think it's significant. You know, I think that it's significant that baseball, if you look at, you know, if you look at the politics of baseball and its ownership, um, and also look at the makeup of its player base, this is not a majority African-American sport, unlike right. the other, unlike football and unlike basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, this is a bold move by Rob Manfred in baseball because I guarantee you there are a lot of people within the game, both among the players and among the owners, who would who, who are not on side with this politically. Um, and it's not, you know, it, it is, it, I'm not saying it's uh, that uh, complicated, too complicated to understand the issue. You know, like you can boil this down and it's pretty, it's pretty right. darn simple. Right. But, you know, there's a lot of noise out there about, you know, voter fraud and this is just a way to protect voter fraud. It's just about people showing ID when they vote. You know, if you don't understand the history of Jim Crow and voter suppression in the United States, you know, you might not quite get this. Right. So I think... You know, given all that, I think this is a bold, bold move. And remember, this is, you know, an Atlanta team where they still do that thing with their hands and chant that chant. And, you know, despite the fact that First Nations people for the, you know, I remember being there for those the World Series against the Jays and seeing the protesters ignored. Um, you know, they, they have been tone deaf, deaf about a lot of things in the past in Atlanta. You can see on the letterhead, there is a tomahawk on the letterhead in the press release as you speak of it. Yeah. Now, again, somebody's going to say, well, that's honoring. I, I always kind of feel that's my duty to ask the people who are allegedly being honored how they feel about it. Right. right? I think it's up. It's, it's how they feel, not how I feel or right. how the ownership of the Atlanta Braves feels. But, yeah, they've, you know, they moved that town out of down, that team out of downtown Atlanta you know, into the white suburbs of Atlanta. It's it's not where it used to be. It used to be right in the heart of the African-American community in Atlanta, mm-hmm. in the old stadium. Um, but, yeah, I, look, I didn't actually expect baseball to do this. And uh, and I I was thrilled when they did. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a Republican-backed Georgia law that strengthened identification requirements for absentee ballots, shortened early uh, voting periods and runoffs. And it also, here, here's where oftentimes you can see where it takes a little bit of a right turn and uh, made it a, mis- a misdemeanor for members of the public to offer food and water to voters waiting in line. And it's like you get a little too greedy. Well, and this is Just a country word. Uh, this is a country that, you know, has been massively successful rolling out vaccines, but for some reason, in certain parts of America, in last November, people had to stand for hours to vote. For hours in order to cast a vote. Yeah. So, you know, think about that and think about Georgia and the margins in the presidential election, the margins in those two Senate races. This is a battle worth fighting. It is, listen, I, I don't have a lot of time for when Coca-Cola and Delta, although it, it's tough to do, they come out after and say something like they're against this. When it took a while for this to pass, the law to pass 
in Georgia. And you could have come out and said something earlier. But what I find interesting is that, and, and people might not even like us talking about it, but what I find really interesting is that now people are being held accountable for the way they act, and they can't just kind of hide in the background. All of these media sources, whether it be on social, on conventional cable TV, the over-the-air channels, it seems like you'll be asked the question and no longer can hide in the background. Are we on the verge of it being like this moving forward? Oh, boy, I don't know. Um, it, I, I think the idea of, you know, especially corporate responsibility has, has, be, has taken on, I, and I think that's the important one. Like, I, yeah. like let's boil this down. It's, it's money. money. Right. It's about money. Right. And this is about Major League Baseball taking now. They say they're going to you know, continue to make an investment in the community in Atlanta that was part of this. Right. But it's essentially about them taking their money and spending it elsewhere because that's their privilege. That's, that's their option. They can, they can do that. Um, those big corporations you alluded to, you know, they, there are lots politics in well, politics everywhere, but politics in America especially is about how much money you can raise. Right. So they have choices they can make. But they should be held accountable for the choices that they do make. You should, you, should, you know, again, make, you can make up your own mind about how you want to exercise your, uh, your right. right. But um, we, sh- yeah, we should hold their feet to the fire occasionally and say, okay, you know, why are you doing this? And uh, yeah. be transparent about it. That's where it seems like to me it's changed a little bit. Where there's that corporate accountability. And if there is corporate accountability, then we get down to money, yeah. and then we see really where people. I stand. hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, do you want to stick around for last call where we lighten the mood? Yes. Or can you stick around? Because you can. probably don't want to. It's Friday. I was going like to go off to have dinner in a restaurant. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second, yeah. <laughs> but you're going back to Hamilton. I understand yeah, that. It's time for one last break. We will uh, contractually obligated Stephen Brunt, colleague of the show and friend of the show. We'll stick around. We'll be with the best of the week winner and do last call with Jesse Rubinoff. Next on Tim and Friends. All right, it's time now to reveal our best of the week winner. We give you clips early in the show. You go to Tim and Friends on Twitter and vote. The winner is someone going crazy on a Colin show. This has been going on for two years. Right. Uh, I guess you missed a lot of the games that Reyes hit in the clutch last year, huh? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. I'm you're not an idiot. No, you are an idiot. Listen, no, you're going to tell me you are judging. You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. You're going to tell me you're going to make a judgment on the season after one game in 30-degree weather that proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show. Fair weather idiot. All right, we're going to move on here. <laughs> <laughs> the close is perfect. That is awesome. There is, uh, is that, there's been a few of those guys around the late night vampire Norm Rumack. Yeah, shout out to Norm Rumack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Felt like right up his yeah. alley. Yeah, that would, be, uh, that would be right up Norm's alley. Yeah, exactly. A few of the guys yeah. that we used to work with at the score, too. Gabe Morenci. That oh, yes. Right up yes, his alley I worked with him, well. too. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there would have been a few that we had worked with in the past that would have done the exact same thing. So congratulations. Not only did you call someone an ignoramus you won the best of the week bruce uh all right jesse rubinoff comes in for last call as we wrap up another week here on tim and friends could say bruce drennan was a shoo-in to win best of the week (laughs) oh Uh, went there last call let's hit it uh great day of sports on tap for tomorrow 1 p.m eastern bianca andrescu will take on ash barty in miami open final 
the same time, the Jays and Yankees are back in action on Sportsnet while the Penguins visit the Bruins on Sportsnet 1. Then at night, we've got the Sens and Habs on Hockey Night in Canada, as well as the Men's Final Four. Stephen Brunt, how will you be spending your Saturday? Oh, my. Well, there'll be some baseball in there, but I, I will watch Bianca. She's, you know, the, the beginning of that tournament was interesting watching her just trying. She's still struggling to yep. try. And, but but as the tournament has gone along, looking more and more like herself, like she's still not quite herself. But my God, she's tenacious, isn't she? Oh, that's I was saying earlier in the show. And I don't know if this is like, I don't know if this is hyperbole. So tell me if it is. But don't Canadians just love the blood and guts players? And she seems like she brings, like I was saying, six straight three-set wins. She was down a break twice in the third Nothing set. Nothing easy. Nothing easy at all. Nothing is easy. But I think that I think that's the reason why Canadians fell head over heels for this phenom. Yeah, I'll, I'll, me for sure. And you know, plus she's great. But and yeah. she, you know what? I think you can see the the light now too that she's going to come back to be what she was when she won the one here and won the U.S. Open. It's, yeah. it's it's coming. Yeah, and it feels like this Ash Barty matchup could kind of be the one that fuels to I know it's an Australian yeah. and a Canadian so maybe the Americans won't buy in as much as they would if it was an American but it feels like those two could fuel the women's side for a while mm-hmm. here yeah they could use the rivalry she's yeah. a pretty significant underdog too just saying if we like Bianca's chances oh, might ah, be a little bit of an kind, opportunity what there what kind of value are we getting <laughs> on Bianca a right value. now yeah I think she's like plus 165 or something okay oh, I know it's the top might player in the world she's going against but might okay to, might have to sprinkle a little bit a little sprinkle on Bianca. Uh, The women's Final Four is already underway. Stanford and South Carolina tipped off about 40 minutes ago. And later tonight, UConn takes on Arizona. If UConn wins the tournament, Paige Beckers will join some very exclusive company as the sixth true freshman to lead a national champion in points per game, joining Cheryl Miller, Shamik Holdsclaw, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Davis, and Jalil Okafor. She's already the first freshman to be named Women's Player of the Year. Tim, what was your greatest accomplishment as a 19-year-old. <laughs> Nothing compared to Paige Becker. Um, she can't turn pro for another three years. That's the rule. The WNBA, you can't turn pro until you're, you you cannot turn pro as a friend. Fr- in, right? in the WNBA. Yeah. But you could go, she to, go to Europe. Europe. Yeah, she right. could go to Europe. Or you could go to Australia mm-hmm. and play. I just don't know. Listen, if they allow name and likeness in the NCAA, Paige Beckers could make more money in the NCAA than she would in the WNBA and say an off-season in Australia combined. Mm-hmm. That program is worth so much, and what she's done is worth so much. It is unbelievable. And the best part is, she's like best friends with Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga. And they could they grew up 20 miles away from each mm-hmm. other in the Twin Cities. Like, they could both end up Howard national champions. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. Both freshmen doing crazy things. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, moving on to baseball. Cleveland will have their home opener on Monday, but John Adams who has been banging a drum in the bleachers at every game for nearly 50 years will miss the game due to health reasons. After hearing the news, Black Keys drummer and longtime Cleveland fan Patrick Carney volunteered to fill in. <laughs> Steven, who's the best rock star baseball fan? And I do have some options for you. You got Getty Lee, of course, with the Jays. Eminem with the Tigers, Nick Lachey with the Reds. Nick Lachey. Perry you said rock star. With the Giants. Sorry, Nick. Scott Stapp. <laughs> Uh, who is the Creed lead singer with the Marlins, Macklemore with the Mariners, this is and not Wale with the Nationals. Look, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna know the Creed lead singer. I, 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 no, it's Getty. Like it's, <laughs> like, it's Getty. Right. It's Getty. It's Getty. It's Getty. It is Getty. I'm just trying to think of uh, the lead singer of Journey, who sang "Don't Stop Believing" in San Francisco. 
what is the Steve guy's name? Perry? Steve yes. Perry, yep. Right? Steve Perry, I'll never forget him singing. They played his song at a World Series game, and he began singing his song in the crowd. And it is one of those wonderful moments. But you're right, okay? It's Kelly Lee. Yeah, I'm Canadian. Like Mike Mills, Mariam's great baseball fan. There's a lot of great baseball fan musicians, but. Right. Uh, you know, Getty and, and Getty in the ballpark on television in the in the home plate shot when he used to sit there yeah. was the best. There's two that we know pretty well. You and Curry, yep. of the Sheepdogs, and City in Color, Dallas Green. Dallas, big fan. He's a big basketball guy, especially right. But yeah. uh, John Sampson from the Weaker Dance. Yeah, uh, there's there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, Stephen, when you bring up music. You know that's yeah, I'm surprised he didn't go Nick Lachey, to be honest. <laughs> uh, Bryce Harper wore some pretty sick Philly Fanatic-themed cleats yesterday ahead of the Phillies opener against the Braves. Got to be clear, though, he did not wear these during the game. Tim, are those clown shoes, bro? <laughs> yeah, they're clown shoes, bro. The clown, that was never a clown question. You remember mm. when he said that's a clown question, bro? It was never a clown question. No, it was not. It was a question based on where you could drink and what you could drink, and they didn't know it because they were Americans. I will also support the fanatic through anything, by the way. He is like the the Olivier of mascots. Like, it's not even close. Remember the Nick Leva thing? He's the guy. Yeah. yeah. He didn't wear them in the game. I saw a bunch of people on Twitter going, what an idiot, what a clown wearing those. He didn't wear them during the game. He just wore them. No, we had to be clear about that. Uh, Steven, thank you very much for being a good sport as always. Uh, Jesse, thank Tim, you thanks. for last call. Appreciate thank you for the week. Uh, if you're celebrating, have a great Easter weekend. Enjoy the games. Tomorrow is going to be absolutely lovely for sports fans. We'll see you on Monday. Here's a look back at our week right here on Tim and Friends. It's Friday, kids. It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday By the way, yeah. I was just in a washroom here at Scotiabank Arena. Okay. They still have your Tim and Sid ads up. Oh, yeah. Just heads up. Tim and Maybe. Friends. Sid Sixero says the Buffalo Sabres segment currently on Tim and Friends nah. is outstanding. Nah. I know you ripped him last time for nah, uh, the way I know he... why he's doing this. <laughs> Here we go. I know Let's why he's it. doing this. Let's I've seen it. all the tricks. Yeah. It's Sid Sixero's birthday. And he knew <laughs> by tweeting into this show and complimenting me, you would fall for this. And then I would have to say, hey, Sid, happy birthday. Heard you were trending all over Canada on breakfast television with the trick that I taught you. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. I'm not an idiot. What did you see when Dijonet drove the ball from where you were standing? What did you see? I was surprised they didn't call a foul. Then ride it like that. I'm going to bring... I'm going to... I'd like to bring Jesse uh, Rubinoff into this conversation right now. Jesse, more annoying, uh, the person who's constantly fidgeting with their mask or the person who just wears the mask under the nose as if they don't know what you're supposed to be protecting? It's under the nose and it's not even close. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What are you doing? You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. Have you gotten sick of people yelling out, Matty D! <laughs> how can you get sick of that? <laughs> Come on. Uh, Tim, how can you get sick of that? It's just like everybody's screaming out to you, Tim and friends.
Titans. You're going to tell me you're going to make a judgment on the season after one game in 30-degree weather? That proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. What?